return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Just tell God, God, make my heart a fertile soil in the mighty name of Jesus. Make my heart a fertile soil. So no matter the seed that is planted in me, it shall grow in the mighty name of Jesus. Can you pray in the mighty name of Jesus? Father, make my heart a fertile soil. Make my heart a fertile soil in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you honor. Father, we give you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Lord, we give you glory. We thank you that you've given us this day. We thank you that you've given us this morning. We thank you that this morning you are going to speak to us like never before. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, O God, that you've counted us worthy to live to see yet another day, O God. Not because of what we've done, not because of who we are, but yet that we are recipients. We are, we are become recipients of your mercy and your grace. Lord, we give you praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we've prayed. With thanksgiving. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word that is coming forth. For Lord, you've made us understand in your word that your word doesn't just come, but come to fulfill that which you've asked it to do. It does not return back in vain. Father, I pray that for every reason why this word is coming forth, I pray that may it achieve and fulfill its purpose in the mighty name of Jesus. For at the end of today, at the end of these studies, may people get a deeper understanding of your word. And may they walk in light of your word and in an understanding of what they've received in their spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, use me as a vessel to bless your people as you bless me with your word as well. We, I thank you, I bless your name, in your, word, in your name have we prayed with thanksgiving. Let all saints say Amen. amen. Hallelujah. So um, tomo- this morning I want to share with you on the topic, The Good Shepherd. I want to share with you on the topic, the good shepherd. Um, in prayer, this is the topic the Lord laid on my heart to share with you. And I feel like getting a deeper understanding of who the good shepherd is, is very, very important. Um, sometimes one thing that is very funny is when a topic is treated over and over again and you are being asked by the Spirit of the Lord to talk on the same topic, what you ask yourself is, that, what am I going to share that is different from what everybody has shared. Hallelujah. But the one thing I know in scripture is that, you know, it got to a time where the Bible says that um, the Israelites wanted food. They wanted heavenly food. So God gave them daily manna. But as part of the instructions, they were asked not to keep any of them. The next day, they had another manna. You know, though it may look the same, but then it's different. Hallelujah. So I'm praying and I'm trusting God that by the time we are done this morning, God would have given you a deeper understanding of what the good shepherd is, so that you add it to what you already know. Can we open our Bible to the book of Psalm 23, verse 1 to 6? <laughs> Psalm 23. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup flows, overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Isn't it so sweet? This is, a, this is something that David wrote. And the beginning of the verse is very deep and very profound. You know, you could realize that from the beginning of the verse, this is a gentleman who is speaking with a deep sense of conviction, which is streaming out of an experience he has had. See that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So the beginning of the, of the, of the scripture, he opens with the word, Shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. And we all know who a shepherd is. So when you go to the book of um, John chapter 11, John chapter 10, John chapter 10, verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. So here we get to understand that a shepherd in this context is somebody who takes care of the sheep. Somebody who takes care of the sheep. He leads the sheep. He takes them to a place. He feeds them. He makes sure that they are, they are, they are well fed. They are not malnutritioned. A shepherd is somebody who knows what is needed by the sheep at every particular point in time. So when, um, um, so you say that it's a shepherd, um, but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hears his voice. So meaning that there is a relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. When somebody comes in who is not a shepherd, the sheep is able to recognize and know that this is not my shepherd and will not respond. But then when the sheep gets to hear the voice of the shepherd, there is that kind of connection, that connectivity that exists between the sheep and the shepherd for the sheep to know that this is my shepherd and I'm secured and safe in his hands. And the sheep hears his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. So meaning that the sheep, though the sheep may look alike, but then the shepherd is able to distinguish and know that this sheep is called Levi. This sheep is called this. This sheep is called that. He knows every sheep by name. Therefore, the difference between a hide hand and a shepherd is that when a hide hand gets to the, gets to the sheep, he doesn't know the name. He will just assume anything. But when the shepherd of the sheep enters the place, the shepherd has a name for every sheep. So when he gets, they know that this is Michael. This is Angela. This is that. So he calls them by their name. And they know that this is, I am the one the sheep is referring to. I am the one the shepherd is calling. He calls them by name. And leads them out. Yeah. Verse 4, 
Then he puts forth all his own. He goes ahead of them and the sheep follows him because they know his voice. So you can realize that from the verse one of um, from the verse one of John chapter ten, the, um, the the scripture makes us understand who a shepherd is, how a shepherd relates with the sheep, and the responsibility of the shepherd to the sheep. So when you relate it to Psalm twenty three, verse one, now David is trying to refer to God as his shepherd, and he's making us understand that. His shepherd, who is God himself, who is his Lord, knows him. He provides for him. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So meaning that because I know, because I know that I know that I know that my God is a good shepherd, that my God is my shepherd, I will lack and I will need nothing. Beloved, I want to submit to you something. That if you know the one you work with, then you will know how to put your confidence in that person. Your understanding of a person, based on your relationship with the person, will determine how you put your confidence in that particular person. I decided to check the meaning of shall. And I saw some interesting um, explanations. He said that shall expresses a strong assertion or intention. It expresses a strong assertion or intention. So it is, that's why I, I was saying that that statement there, the first verse, connotes um, the writers or, that, or David's strong and deep conviction of what he is saying. That the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, that means that he understands and knows the one he's working with. My question to you is that what is your understanding of the personality of God? Whatever you lack understanding in, you are ignorant of. And whatever you are ignorant in, you can never have power and authority on. And you can never walk in light of that particular thing. When you read the book of um, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, the Bible was talking about um, a sower who went to sow and he scattered the seed. Some fell on good, good, good grounds. Some fell by the wayside. Some fell in thorns. Some fell on the rock. That's the four soils. And the Bible is that when the, when Jesus started giving, um, wanted to now give them explanation. The Bible said when he had finished telling them these things, the, the 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 disciples came to him and they said, that, "Master, why do you speak in parables?" Why do you speak in parables? The reason being that though Jesus had said so many things, but they didn't understand anything. That means there is a possibility that I can come and stand here and say everything and somebody will understand nothing. And if you don't understand the word that you have received, it becomes very difficult for you to walk in the light of that word. So they came to him and were like, Master, why do you speak in parables? Why do you speak in a way that is way over our heads? And Jesus said, Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to you. To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, in the NIV version, it has been granted unto you to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. 
But to them, it has not been granted. These were people, the, the disciples had worked with Jesus. Therefore, they were working with him. And because they were working with the word, the logos, because they were working with Jesus himself, they, had, they were supposed to have a deeper revelation of whatever he was speaking forth. That is the reason why, though a lot of people were there, that sermon that he gave was not just to the few disciples, it was to everybody. But when it was done, just the disciples, the twelve disciples came to Jesus to inquire. By virtue of their relationship with Jesus, they were able to get to him to inquire and to know. And because they had that relationship with Jesus and they came to him and they asked, they got to know. So now you get to understand that now there are, are the 12 disciples and there are the other people who came. Now the 12 disciples have an understanding of the word. But the rest, what happened to them? They'll go back and they'll say that, wow, this man preaches. The man is deep. Very, very deep. I understood nothing. Because the thing is deep. No. If something is deep, it doesn't mean that you can't understand. But the thing is deep because it has entered your spirit. If you walk around and we ask you, how did the word of God? It was deep. Very, very deep. But then you understood nothing. Then it wasn't deep. You were lost. So, this is us to you. So I want to tell us. Ask to ask the children of God. It has been granted unto us. The deep mysteries. Let me tell you, the scripture is so mysterious. When you go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the verse 6 coming in, that, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are matured. A wisdom, however, not of this age or of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But the verse 7, but we seek, we speak God's wisdom in mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the age to our glory, to our enlightenment, to our understanding. You know, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age had understood. So, the mysteries of the kingdom have been hidden for our Glory for us to decode, for us to understand. So the word of God has not been given to confuse anybody. So first you have the spirit of God in you. That means that you have the capacity and the potential to be able to understand every word God is pushing forth. And based on your understanding, will determine your level of conviction in his word. To now speak like the psalmist. And say that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, there is one thing speaking the word. And there is another thing speaking the word in understanding. A lot of people read the word. They proclaim. They proclaim. I proclaim. I proclaim. But you know, God wants us to shift to the realm. Where we don't just speak it. But we speak with a deep sense of understanding. Because what you understand is what will place you at a, at a higher pedestal in him. So, when you go back to the Matthew chapter 13, it talks about the seed that was sown by the wayside. The seed that fell on the wayside. That is um, Matthew chapter... Um, so, I gave you Matthew chapter um, 13 verse 11. So, when you go down, when he started giving them explanation... To um, 
that part of the scripture, and I want to read from my Bible. Say that, but blessed, from the verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because you see and your ears, because, you, because your eyes, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, truly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. The verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, see, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So when anyone hears the word of God and does not understand, when we speak to you, and don't understand it, it is equivalent to nothing. Because what the devil will do is that, so while the word of God is going and everything, you know, <laughs> he's also very busy walking around. So if you hear and you lack understanding, that means that you don't even need it. You take it away. That's why I've been, for some time, I've been talking about wisdom, understanding and knowledge. So because it is very important and necessary that in this age, we have a deeper understanding of the one we are working with. We have a deeper understanding of the one we are going with. How can two work together except they agree? And how can you agree with a person except you know the person and you trust the person? If I don't know you from Adam, I cannot be working with you in darkness. Because I know that if I go with you in the darkness, I've never met you before. You can, you can just strangle my neck and kill me. Or you can just pick a gun and kill me. Or you can just do anything to me. So I will not commit myself to work with you. So if I can now put my hope, if I cannot put my trust in you, if I cannot work with you, if I cannot be confident and say that, ah, so far this person is there, then I need nothing because everything is sorted. That means that I have worked with the person, I know the person, and we are in agreement. I just want to bring our attention to something. That the Lord is my shepherd. Most often we are overwhelmed by the curse of this world. We are overwhelmed by the many things going on in this world. As if we don't have a father who is a good shepherd. As if we don't have a father who doesn't, as if we have a father who doesn't care, who cannot hear, whose ears are clogged and his eyes he cannot see. Jesus told the Israelites, you guys, you follow after gods who cannot hear, who cannot see. You follow after things that you created with your own hand. Some of us, our mammon, money, money has become what we've put our faith and our trust in. Money has become our shepherd. When we have money, we say that, ah, so far as I have money, I'm okay, I need nothing. Because my uncle is there, I'm okay, I need nothing. Because this person is there, because this work is secured, I am okay, I need nothing. But you know, despite all the many things that David had, David was the first king who was able to put back the 12 tribes of Israel together because they were scattered. But despite everything, the man had money. He had everything. In fact, he wanted to even build a temple. And God said, it wasn't your, yours to do. So he had what it takes for, he had everything. He had wives. He had 
If it was this time, he would have cars, houses, buildings, everything. He had children upon children. Everything a person would desire. He had them. But when he was expressing what he has put his confidence in, when he was talking about what is the Lord and the evidence of the things that he has, didn't attribute it to his own strength. Most of us, when we get to certain pedestals in life, we begin to ascribe everything to our own ability. Oh, I did that. It was because of my own innovation. It's because of my own ability to take care of my children. <laughs> Do you know people who have prayed and taken care of their children, gone to study education and everything to know how to train their children? Yes, their children are out of place. So if you have kids, grandkids, who are God-fearing and everything, you should know that it is a blessing from God. So despite everything that David had, he still looked up into the heavens and he said that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Meaning that when I sleep, I sleep. I'm not scared of demons. I'm not scared of anything. Because as I'm, as I'm asleep, my God is watching over me. Because he's watching over me like the way a shepherd watches over the sheep. You know, the shepherd doesn't sleep. The shepherd will make sure that the sheep is fine. To say that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will lack nothing. I will lack nothing. Do you know that you can get to a place where you lack nothing? And that place is only found in the rest of God. And I'll take you there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. He makes. I started to check for the meaning of make. And I saw that creates. Create is part. Create is part. When you read um, the book of Read the book of Romans chapter 4, verse 17. The Bible says that, uh, as it is written, a father of many nations have I made you in the presence of him whom he believed. Even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence, he brings into existence that which does not exist. So that is, he was just talking about God's creative ability. What God continually is doing. So, hmm. There is nothing God cannot do. There is nothing God cannot do. If his word says, then it is. See that with man, you are limited. But with me, God, all things, not some things, are possible. He calls things that are not as though they were. Because in the realm of the spirit, it has been done. So when so God speaks from the realm of eternity, He doesn't speak from the realm of the physical. So physicality or physical things will tell you that it is not possible. But in the realm of the spirit, they have already been done. That is why people who walk in the realm of the spirit are not perturbed by the things of the flesh. Because they understand that before things come into existence, it has been done in the realm of the spirit. That he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Green pastures in abundance. In abundance. Everything flourishes. Everything prospers. Everything you do goes very well. So God will create the ambience. God will create that environment. That will cause you to thrive. And get to that point. 
Even if in your family those things doesn't exist. Because the Lord is your shepherd. When you begin to walk in step with him, he will create that atmosphere and that realm where you will walk in abundance. And because of that environment and that realm he has created, you, your children, your children's children, and your children's children's children, to the thousandth generation, shall be beneficiaries of what you started. He makes me. It is God who maketh a man. It is God who maketh a man. Both to will and to do. It is God who creates that environment. Why are we relying on our own abilities? Why are we relying on our own capacities? Why have we forgotten what the good shepherd is capable of doing? Sometimes, you sit down and you think and you think and you think and realize that you can't think again. Some people, when they go to bed, they can't sleep again. Because maybe they lie on their bed. Oh, all the cases and the issues of this world are just suspending in the air like that. Then he will put this one. Wow. Hey, what am I going to do? The bills, my children, my grandchildren, my workplace, my education, my PhD, my master's, my degree. Oh God, I'm dead. I'm doomed. I'm that. Forgetting that that is supposed to be left to your shepherd to do. That cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. That's the good shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He creates that ambience. He creates that environment for you to walk in abundance, to get whatever you need. So you can realize that now when you get to the verse 2, he's starting to tell you why he will need nothing. So, from verse 2 down, it's an emphasis on the verse 1 statement that he made. Because now, if the ambience or the environment has been created, where now you have, you are thriving in abundance, what would you need? He leaves me beside the still waters. He leaves me. So, when, when we're reading John chapter 11, he was talking about the fact that, I know my sheep. My sheep hears my voice and he leads them. So the master is always leading. You turn to the left or to the right and you hear a voice telling you where to go. You know, he will lead you, he will guide you. He leads me beside the still waters. Still waters. Refreshment. He leads you to the place of rest. He leads you to the place of rest. Still waters is indicative of rest. It's indicative of rest. Beloved, what we need in life is rest. Just to rest in him. And you know the definition of rest is God. Christ is our rest. So if you are resting in him, then you are sorted. You know, in his rest, you find refreshment for your soul. refreshment for your soul. So my question to you, is God your shepherd? How do you see God? Do you see him as a good shepherd or as a wicked person? Whenever you take the responsibility of the shepherd, you become like the one who was lost. But yet still, the master will go and find you and bring you back. This morning, I want to tell you, no matter whatever is going on in life, those are the things the devil is trying to bring to your attention that these are your challenges, these are your troubles. 
Yes, in this life that we are in, there will be troubles. But those who know their Lord, they shall work stronger. They will rely on Him. They will not be perturbed. They will, be not, be, they will not be perturbed. You know, what we see eh, is not just what is, what is on. We see things further than what people see. So whilst everybody is running and saying that we are about to die, you are running, you are saying, you are just, I forgot the, the last part of, of the verse. It says that, surely, goodness and mercy shall chase after you. The Bible never said that you would chase after goodness and mercy. Because if you chase after goodness and mercy, you can never find it. You can never find them. If you understand the goodness of God, if you know that your father is a good shepherd, then you rely on him. Can we close our eyes and pray? Just speak to God. You've heard his word that he's a good shepherd. Ask yourself, do you see him as a good shepherd? Because if you see him as a good shepherd, then you know that he has said in his word that, cut all your burdens, cut all your cares upon me because I care for you. Can you begin to talk to God right now? What is it? Have you got to the point to realize that he is that good shepherd? In the verse, in the verse 11, see that I am the good shepherd. He was very, he was very emphatic that I am the good shepherd. If you want someone who can be the Lord over your soul, who can be that person who will cause you to work in abundance, refreshment, who caused you to be, work, be in rest. The, when you read the book of Psalm 127, he talks about people who, um, um, who are challenged and are troubled by many things. And I want to read that part and I would, I would just end. Psalm 127. And the Bible says that, um, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor, they, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps away in vain, keeps awake in vain. It is in vain for you to rise up early, to retire it, to the earth, to eat the bread of painful labor. For he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. And in other verses, that he gives unto his beloved rest. I declare the rest of God upon your life. And I pray that you continue to walk in the understanding that the Lord is your shepherd and you shall not. Whatever you are going through, I pray that may the Lord of peace, who gives peace, that surpasses the understanding and the wisdom of men. May you find that peace for your soul and for your spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We bless your name. In your name have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.